Hello, everyone. I am back for another episode of the Infinite Boost podcast. Before we get going, I would just like to thank you all so much for the support over the past few months of bringing the podcast back. I've really been enjoying having the conversations and getting to meet new people and and just doing the podcast again. So thank you for always continuing to listen and be here and enjoying the show. It really does mean a lot to me. So let's get going with a new episode. Here you go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Infinite Boost podcast. This is going to be an interesting one, uh, mostly because I would I would say that my guest today is a multi-talented gamer of sorts. Uh, I think I don't know how you would respond to that. But before I g- go on any further, uh, Fickle Platypus is my guest today. He I know him from the Rocket League community, uh, but he is a caster. A player of multiple different games, but uh, before I bumble anything uh, that you might want to say yourself, why don't you give everybody a little bit of an intro about uh, about yourself, Fickle? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on, Tom. I'm a Rocket League caster by trade. I've been doing so for about five years now, and I've branched out into other games, but as well as being caster, talent producer broadcaster etc back in i also just have a wonderful fascination for breaking games and pushing them to their absolute min max and i think that's why i really enjoy learning so much it's because games have this creative freedom that allow you to do things that you know the developers maybe didn't intend but maybe it's something they never knew they wanted to know that's usually where I have my realm of discovery. Yeah. And actually, as you were saying that, and as we were, uh, as I was kind of talking about and thinking about some of the things that I've seen from you on Twitter, I remember back even to the Fortnite days, uh, I remember seeing you post a video of writing like multiple rockets for like a really long time. That was you, right? Yeah, that that video blew up and thinking retroactively back on it, I didn't realize that what I was doing was so out of the ordinary because I, I get into this I get into this mode where it kind of tunnel visions. And whenever they added the guided missile, you know, I saw I you know, I I I take a lot of things in on Twitter, Reddit, whatever people posting content creators and I see what they're doing and I'm like, that's cool. I wonder if you could add X, Y, Z. And so I remember that. I think it was Noah J two sixty four. It's like a popular call of duty zombies YouTuber, Mm -hmm. I believe. And he posted a video on Twitter that was like, Oh my gosh, you can get yourself up on the guided missile by yourself. Cause you know, previously people, figured out that if you had a friend, you know, you could just have your friend shoot at you, etc. But he was doing this wacky, like jump off the side of a platform and then you would be able to guide yourself on the missile while actually being on it and guiding it. And I was like, that's so cool. So I went into, you know, there wasn't even a creative mode at this time. So you'd have to like queue into a game and just go do it. 
which actually made it so much harder because finding that thing is so rare. And the number of times I had to basically just like drop into a location and then just quit if I didn't find it yeah. was just <laughs> immense because there was no way to practice it. But eventually I figured out how to do it. And then I was like, huh, I bet if you shot two, you could maybe jump from them. And this is just purely speculative. Speculative. And I tried to do that for many days, multiple days. And honestly, I feel like it's, it's feel like it's a race for me to be like the first to do something. And I've always felt a lot of pride in being the first to create something, the first to invent something. And I feel like that's a very kind of like narcissistic thing of myself, but it's something that I actually have a lot of catharsis uh, enjoying, but it's it started with the Fortnite missile and then from there it was just where can we push this etc i remember waking up at 3 a.m local time to get on the patch with the grappler just to be able to test theories i would think about not even having the game but just knowing how the unreal engine works in physics so i always come up with hair rain schemes at the middle of night and get on early to test things because i just want to be the first one to do it and i enjoy that a lot well that makes sense i mean i think not necessarily because you're trying to be a content creator but there's something to be said about being the first person to do something and like you might not necessarily yourself be looking to build anything grand from it uh but just, you know, look at some of the videos that Sunless Khan has put out in the past. Like those have evolved into, you know, basically creating careers for some people in content creation. And that happens in all kinds of things. So being able to uh, be the first person to do something, you can kind of put your your name on it and be like, that that was me and that see how it evolves into other things. So there's there's something to be said about that and then sparking creativity in other people. It's just like Squishy doing the first ceiling shot in RLCS. Like people had been doing them, but nobody really thought it was something worthwhile until Squishy wins a game in RLCS and then, oh, like we can actually do this and people aren't going to think that we're crazy for it. Yeah, that's a that's a major point I'd love to make about like there's this idea that playing to win is not as good as playing to improve. And I think that's one of the mantras I keep very close because for instance, you go into a game of rocket league and you play the stable third man back, right? You can easily win a game just by playing defensive, playing safe, letting your two teammates do whatever, but that's not really playing optimally. That's not really taking the risk to improve. And to improve, there are steps you need to take that you're going to fail at. It's ultimately going to make you worse in the short run, but it's going to make you better in the long run. And this is an advice I give to a lot of new people in the beginning is just go for it. Like the more times you get up there and fail, you may not win that game, but you're definitely going to improve over time. And one of the things that I love about games in general is how you can always push for more optimal. You can always min-max it. For instance, how many times have you seen flip resets? You know, 
et cetera. You know, you, you do a stall on the ball, et cetera. But you really don't see like multiple different stalls in a professional competitive game, mostly because people are not going to let you do that. But there's a couple of people that do it from here and then. And people watching are just like, oh my gosh, I never knew this could actually be a thing in a competitive match. And it's like, well, maybe not at first because you're not perfecting it. But over time, you start to see that really evolve and become a, the next step of play. Mm-hmm. You know, considering mm-hmm. that ceiling shot that you mentioned, I think that was like season four in Washington, D.C. versus, gosh, it was a European team. I was there in person. Was um, it Method? It might have been Method. I think it was Method. It was either Method or whatever Northern Gaming was at the time. I think it was a Metzenaris team, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Let's go with that. And then... You know, he does this in season four and, you know, cut forward to season 10. And it's just like, wow, that's not even that impressive anymore. Right. And it's like, really, he's setting the optimal way to do it. And you go to take a ceiling shot now and people not only know how to defend it, but they can also counter it in the same way. Right. You can see people taking a defensive stance from the ceiling. (laughs) And it's it's that like progression of pushing the boundaries that I really love. Yeah, and I think what you said about playing to improve as opposed to playing to win, that's something that I was thinking about myself today. Uh, I mean, think about when you make that transition where you're playing to win as opposed to just playing to improve. Like you said, it, that one thing that I find interesting is that you said that it makes you worse in the short run. And I wouldn't even necessarily say it makes you worse. It's just, you know, you're examining your weak points. You're trying to uh, push yourself in areas that you may not be comfortable. And so you're not necessarily worse. You're just uh, opening up some holes in your game to shine a light on opportunities that you have to improve. And when you're playing to win, especially in, in ranked, you might win games and you might even go on a win streak, which is awesome and feels good. And eventually you will hit that ceiling. And in a game like Rocket League or Valorant or Fortnite or any game or anything, really, if you're always in this mindset of you want to be learning, you want to be analyzing like what you could be improving on, you want to be analyzing like what are the shortcomings then you always have something that you're going to be pushing to the next level. You're always, you always have something that can be next. And I feel like that if you don't have that, if you start losing that, that's when games start to become frustrating. That's when games start to become stale. And one last thing I'll say uh, to that before I forget it, and then I'll pass it back off to you on that. If you want to kind of expand on it, I was watching Shazam, who is the captain for the Sen sentinels valorant team which is like the best team in the world right now uh somebody asked him like donated or subbed and asked him you know valorant i haven't been improving lately valorant's been getting really frustrating it's getting stale what would you suggest to do you know to make the game fun again and he said you know you gotta find something you to work on you gotta find something different to do you gotta find something that just like stop worrying about winning so much and try and just shake things up a little bit. 
you have to do something different or it will become stale. If you're just focused on winning and not necessarily improving or practicing, if you're not challenging yourself, then it will definitely become stale. Uh, And I've definitely felt that even in my own life, in my own game, uh, I've wanted to improve. And in, in that, in my quote unquote desire to improve, it's mostly just because I feel like I've gotten a little better. So I want to see my rank go up. And as soon as I was focused on my rank going up, not necessarily uh, improving or practicing or getting better at the game, it started to get frustrating for me. There's a quote from a fighting game analyst and commentator by the name of Sajam. I think I can accredit it, accredit it to him. He produced a series that was called Learn How to Learn. And I think that's really key to what you're describing for this kind of plateau, head against a wall, not improving staleness. And in fighting games, it's just a 1v1. Most of the time, even if you have multiple characters, it's still you versus the opponent. And consider 1v1s to be the exact same as 1v1s in Rocket League. It's just you and the other player. You have to outplay them. But the thing is, that takes total accountability on your shoulders. And I think it's one of the reasons why people don't like 1v1s is because they Mm -hmm. lack accountability. And they don't have teammates to blame. And they, they fail to put the onus on themselves to improve and you have to learn how to learn and what i mean by that is like don't just go into something thinking i want to jump into it immediately that's not really how you learn things whenever you learn things in school or however you learn things you don't learn it all at once you go step by step you say this is the first step how do i do it okay i've mastered that step what's the next step how do i do that perfect example Go watch a video how to flip reset, right? That's something that everybody wants to do. They don't just be like, all right, you're going to approach the ball. You're going to turn over, get under it, and there you have your, you have your flip reset. Boom. Voila. No. <laughs> good, good content creators know, and they've learned how to learn. They break it down step by step, and they're like, first thing you have to do, you have to set the ball for yourself. And then you kind of step back and think, okay, I can do that. And then you practice setting the ball for yourself. Go and do it on pre-play. There's tons of training packs. Next step, get your rotation from the set. And then you start combining those skills one after another. And then you piece it together like a mosaic. And that's learning how to learn. You, you can't just go into something and apply everything all at once. I think another perfect parallel to this is more in line with that playing optimally versus playing how you're comfortable and what works. You see top RLCS pros right now in the off-season and off-seasons prior. Not only are they changing their binds, but they're also changing controllers to play more optimally. And what I mean by that is brands like Scuff or Astro has their own. You know, they're introducing paddles. They're introducing extra buttons that are all, you know, they're legal. They don't really require any software to use. It's all based on the controller. Mm-hmm. But they're putting extra binds on their controllers and not only are they changing you know the air roll buttons to be air roll left and air roll right to give you more control but they're really trying to make themselves uncomfortable to grow and although they they're already placing top 10 in the 
in the continent that they represent or the region, they know how to learn. They want to improve. And although making air roll left and air roll right your main way to turn is not going to be comfortable, it's not going to like improve you instantly in the future, that is going to be the most optimal way to play. I'd, I'd say in less than a year, maybe two, nobody's going to be using the default air roll control. And what I mean by that is typically there's a modifier button that will allow you to, instead of turn on the x-axis, you can turn on the, the y-axis now. So instead of turning one direction, you hold the button and then you're able to turn the other direction. You let go of the button, then you're turning on that other direction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's not optimal because you can't turn on two axes at once with that modifier. Right. It's a little bit of a hard concept to grasp, but the way that people do stalls and quick spins into their shots really revolves around those air roll buttons, air roll left and air roll right. Because by holding air roll right, you're turning in that Y direction, but that also frees up your analog stick or keyboard or whatever you use to now turn in the other direction. Could be Z, could be X. And right, that, you're taking I'm, you're taking the the necessity for two buttons or two fingers and putting it into one. Yes and no, because I think it makes one button into two, but those two buttons give you so much more control than having the one button. So it's actually it's almost impossible to be able to spin a certain way without having air roll right bound or air roll left bound. And so that, that spin I'm talking about is the beautiful spin where you're kind of, you have your booster towards the ground and you're spinning on the car's uh, vertical axis, but you're also rotating as well. Is that so what they would call the Cooksier spin? Uh, the Cooksier spin is done with just the regular default controls. I would call this more like, I don't even know if there's a name for it, to be honest. But I've also heard tornado, but I don't pay attention to a lot of it, so I'm not exactly think, sure what all of them mean. I think tornado might be the way they do that kind of flick because there are definitely some types of 1v1 flicks that are required to use air roll left and air roll right. The point is, you even see the top level of players forcing themselves to be uncomfortable to improve. Now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you're like... Do you have examples of that? Because I, I don't watch much streaming or really pay attention to any of that stuff. But I'm curious if you have like examples of controller changes or layout, like con button changes or anything like that, that uh, some of the pros have been experimenting with. I can't name anybody in particular, but I know I've seen it on my timeline on Twitter where mm. they're saying, hmm, is air roll left, air roll right the play? Because these kind of legacy pros have been using the air roll modifier for many, many seasons. And it's what they've grown accustomed to. I still use my air roll modifier and actually something that I've been doing to actually kind of force myself to improve. And although I'm more of a casual player now, it's actually adding one of those binds into my game so I can mm -hmm. make spins that are no longer possible with the default controls. Yeah. I, I don't know a, like a pro off the top of my head, but I think... You can probably see it in, I think the most, the most noticeable example is someone like First Killer, who is a mm -hmm. member of Rogue and 
one of the youngest and kind of he's that up and coming star that everybody's looking at right now in the esports scene. And you can tell the, by the way that he spins his car, he's not using default aerial modifier. He's using both arrow left and arrow right. You'd have to look up a video to notice the difference, but it's, it's small things like that that make him be able to have the most precise rotation of his car compared to maybe somebody that has been playing for several thousand hours but is not using those binds. And lots of other pros have noticed, man, first killer is so good. How does he do it? Well, it's, it's I mean, there's a million of the different reasons, but one <laughs> of those reasons is the fact that he uses special controls and they're not like, it's not like anybody can't use them. It's just right. a lots of people haven't gotten accustomed to it because it's not what they learned. You right. know, those those controls actually did not exist in the first two years of Rocket League's life. It's actually, you know, a quote unquote, very recent addition to the game where you're able to actually separate those two things and make it so you can control them uh, individually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I've recently started using air roll left over the past couple of months and really enjoyed it a lot. It's just, it's simplified things. Uh, it's made some movements to like recover and things of that nature so much more comfortable. So uh, in in terms of having like those extra paddles on the back, like w- there was a, a little bit of time that I used a steam controller to play Rocket League that had uh, paddles on the back of it. And I loved having those extra paddles. So any way that there's there's an extra way to use more of your fingers besides thumbs, pointer fingers, and middle fingers, which are all the ones that I use right now, the more the merrier. If you can use like a ring finger or pinky on the back of the controller too, and finding ways to optimize that is is great. That type of optimization is the thing I live for. <laughs> Having <laughs> the most optimal way to play with no gaps and the only thing that's standing between you and winning is your own skill. You have to be careful with those types of controllers, though, because some, like if you're like a big tournament player or something, if you go to a LAN, which is like a live event, sometimes they won't let you use the software that binds those buttons to those controllers. Mm. <laughs> that's like a very 1% problem. Um, if you're a casual player at home, use a, use a really nice controller, have paddles on the back if you want them. Like I have paddles on the back of mine. I use them for some things. I don't think I use them for Rocket League because it doesn't have all that many buttons. But uh, I definitely don't play with the most optimal control scheme in Rocket League nowadays mm-hmm. because I I was playing since 2015. Right. When these things didn't exist. And, you know, my desire to improve isn't like after 3,000 hours of the game, I'm just playing casually with my friends. But if you're really looking to improve your game overall, I definitely recommend it. it. It, you know, it just depends on where your motivation is. Where do you think your focus on learning, improving and growing, where do you, what, what do you think that stems from? I think I really love teaching. I think, you know, when I came out of, when I came out of university, I was highly considering teaching. And I think teaching is, one of the it's like one of the greatest gifts you can 
give to yourself and others is sharing knowledge and being able to transfer it to other people. And I just, I have this, I guess, personality trait of never wanting to not know. I, I, I despise being in situations where somebody says, Hey, do you know this? And I say, no, but I'm going to go look that up because I just don't like not knowing. And I think it's maybe just me wanting to have control over the, the situation. But as, as far as that pertains to games, I think, you know, playing games is not, it's not something that like humans were really, I don't think designed to do, but you know, over time, it's become this cultural medium that shares so many different analogs between life that you just want to share it with other people. Yeah. And so I love teaching. I love learning. And, you know, obviously you might be able to tell that I was kind of a nerd in school. <laughs> I was the, you know, salutatorian of my high school and, you know, I graduated with honors and all this stuff, but some people are not, some people don't know how to learn and i that's not like a jab at anybody that did poorly in school or anything it's just some people just don't have that desire to want to get better and learn and you know what that's perfectly fine it's not you don't have to but if you're frustrated and you're stuck and you're saying i don't like this game anymore because i'm plateauing maybe it's time to learn how to learn maybe it's time to reflect and say hey maybe it's me maybe it's not the game maybe there are things that i can do take some self-accountability that's kind of my major point as i'm trying to make a lot of people will just defer to blaming it on so many different things besides themselves so i i'm really curious by this because i i feel like there are people that are not necessarily good learners, but they really enjoy improving at something like Rocket League. Like they do get better on a consistent basis. They want to work hard. They want to uh, improve at the game and they don't necessarily see it as learning. Um, or, you know, there are people that maybe weren't a salutatorian in their school, but they really work hard at something like Rocket League. Um, where do you where do you think the difference is or where do you think like how how does your being maybe a good student or a good learner? How does that translate into uh your improvement in different games? I think it's the pace. I think people who are naturally adept at learning get good at games much faster than people that don't really compartmentalize information as well. And that's something I've noticed about myself is that when a game comes out and I'm fresh up to the plate, I'm constantly thinking about things that I want to improve on myself. And I look at a situation and I go, I didn't like how I performed in that situation. I'm going to figure out a way to improve upon that. Or maybe there's another step. There are, there are many different people that just want to play games and 
enjoy the serotonin they receive from the visuals and call it a day. But as to make the point towards people that don't know that they're learning, they are learning, but maybe they're doing it in a different way or they're doing it at a slower pace or they're doing it their way. You know, there are many different people that I know that they have never, ever gone into free play or they've never opened a training pack. All they've done is go into ranked, go into casual play, whatever they want to do. And they just play games. That is one way to improve. However, I don't think it'll be as fast as doing all the training, doing all the looking up how to do things on YouTube, which is a fantastic resource. So I think it's just the pace at which you learn. Some people will improve at their own time, but there are many different mediums you can use to increase that learning process. If you had to describe your learning in a different way, because I, f- I feel like there are people learn in different ways. I would say that, you know, for me, a lot of Rocket League has been uh, analytical learning. Uh, it's been, I would almost frame it as like intellectually learning Rocket League, which has helped me evolve as a player. And there are some people that just like, learn organically or by nature do you how how would you how would you classify your learning i don't really buy into the fact that there's like a quote-unquote genius you know this person was destined to play this i think that if you look at the greats of the Rocket League community, you know, let's take, um, let's say Garrett G, for example, he's been in like every season of RLCS. I have full, I have full confidence that if that man wanted to do anything else in his life, he would succeed in it because it's not just the game. It's a personality thing. It's using your life knowledge and this seems so this seems so like grandiose you know comparing life to a video game but i think people that learn a lot in their lives are actually better at video games because of it because they're able to apply real life knowledge to learning and i think that's where i get my learning from is studying so much i've and i'll go back onto this i learned how to learn the way that i would do it i would say is repetition. I I need to put myself in the situation multiple different times to be able to like, quote unquote, get the hang of it. For instance, like I can remember back in 2015, you know, when Rocket League came out and aerials were, aerials were the thing that separated, you know, pros from casuals, right? It's kind of hard to think about nowadays because even the most casual players will be able to figure that out. But watching footage from 2015 and seeing how grounded the game was compared to 2021, because there's so much information out there. It's like you see one person do it and you're like, oh my gosh, I never knew that was possible. Of course I can learn how to do that. But it takes that spark of somebody knowing the knowledge and providing it. 
to be able to change the way the rest of the game is played. But anyway, doing aerials, there was no training packs. There was no, you know, um, extra third-party mods like Bacchus Mod or Alpha Console to be able to... Besides the bad ones that were built into the game and yeah. frustrating to use. <laughs> Besides the native ones that still to this day are not great. But it was basically just using what you were given over and over. And you would go in and you would do the, I think they're called all-star training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they're in the game still. And it's literally just the most unrealistic lob in the world. And it's just a ball that goes straight up in the air and you're just supposed to go hit it into the net and you don't even have to score it. You don't even have to score it without hitting the ground. There's no like parameters. It's just hitting the ball. And so when I was playing in the early days, I would just sit and maybe, I don't know, have a Twitch stream open or be watching some kind of Netflix or whatever. And on the second monitor, because I was blessed to have a second monitor, I would just be doing that over and over and over again or just rolling around in free play over and over and over again, going into the training mode, using what they would have. And that repetition eventually will show in your gameplay. So I think I don't disagree with that. I want to go back to Garrett G and just some, some pros in general. Um, or just like, I I can understand what you're saying about like, there's, there's not necessarily a genius and, you know, maybe Garrett uh, could be su- successful in other things. And plenty of people, professional athletes go on to be successful in other things. And I feel like uh, there are some things in which people just are naturally drawn to something and excel at it uh and i feel like i feel like i've said this on older episodes that we're still in a phase in rocket league that some of these people and there are even people like this in the nfl in the nba and professional leagues that they just get to where they are because they're naturally gifted at the sport they they do work hard enough to like get where they are but it's not like they are working as hard as your lebron james or your steph curry's or, or things like that. Like Garrett G is where he's at because he's continually can, you know, worked hard to improve and will continue to do that. And, you know, will continue to be really good. And there are some people in RLCS even now that are just naturally good at the game. They've gotten to where they are because they are just for whatever reason, naturally gifted at the game of rocket league. And it's not like they're overly driven to be amazing or work really hard to improve. So I, I think it, I think there's like this very fine balance where there are some that are, you know, very good at something naturally. And then there are those that also are good naturally and also work very hard at something like I don't, think there's any way that I would be ever able to get, you know, a professional rocket league player to just be like, okay, I'm not going to play this anymore. I'm just going to play this and I'm still going to go pro. Uh, and just to, you know, see, 
I mean, there's also thousands of hours that go into that, right. To like get somebody to be able to catch up to speed. Um, I think that there is more to improvement and an extremely high level of play than just an ability to learn, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, do you think there are other things to it or is it just learning? I mean, there has to be some kind of internal drive to be that good because there are plenty of people that are just good learners. I mean, let's, let's uh, consider I have a perfect parallel to that. How many pros in today's scene can you name that were at season one and season two finals or even competing in the season one, season two finals? Can you name how many people were at either of those two events that are still competing today and are still, let's say, top 20 teams? Top 20 teams? Well, top 20 teams is different. I mean, there's, if you're thinking about quote unquote top 20 teams, I mean, there's Garrett. Mm -hmm. There's probably at least one or two other people. Uh, I don't know if, if Kronovi's team could be considered a top 20 team uh, in, in a right now, because it's so, you know, weird in terms of how people are ranked but uh i mean he's he's the only one that i can think of right off the bat so i would say garrett for sure still even top three in the world there's arguably cuxer who has gone off a little bit but still up there i would say torment on version one was he was he at season one he was season at season two. two. Yeah. Season two. And probably Kronovi. I would maybe in North America top 20. But like yeah, you said. Probably not the world. But yeah, not, maybe not the world. Like when you compare EU teams, especially the top of theirs, it yeah. would knock down NA a bunch. But there's very far a few between. And considering the amount of players that were in those first two. I mean, obviously, some of them have gone off and done other things because their motivation was elsewhere. But that's where you delineate those quote-unquote gifted people that will learn the game very quickly. And yes, they'll be good for some time, but that's only because they are they have that innate sense to be able to learn faster than others. But it takes that innate sense to be able to learn faster than others and the personality traits that you would get like being humble, like always wanting to improve, like being able to never give up, that will truly make you an iconic superstar. Someone like Garrett G, who in the very beginning, he was not always the best. You know, you had your legacy SARP players like Fireburner and Sad Jr. and Lachino that would stomp on him. And I think that was actually important for him because it forced him to improve. And within the first year of the game, he was going on and beating those beating those players, even though those players already had thousands of hours in the game's predecessor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he has to have some way, some form to improve of things that are going to challenge him in order to learn every time. And it's not like he never goes undefeated. 
he's lost many different lands, but I think it's a personality trait of his to not give up and to want to improve from that. And I've, I've talked to him many different times and he often considers himself not the best player in the world when in any given day you could make that claim many different people could but i think he's such a humble person and such a i don't think i'm as good as everybody says i am that he always wants to improve and i think that kind of trait is really what makes those great players great Mm -hmm. so if you would have to or if you could instill your ability to learn if you could help guide somebody to making those steps to shift from this play to win mentality to like a play to improve play to learn mentality how would you guide somebody in that direction what are some initial thoughts on that if you really want to improve and you're serious about doing this i can and as a former rlcs coach I can always give you the advice of watching your own replays. All you have to do is watch one. Just if you're listening, watch one of your replays. They automatically can save to your hard drive or wherever you play. Go watch a replay. Watch yourself from either the opponent's perspective or from the auto cam. And just look and compare your actions to how you think somebody would play at that skill level because i can guarantee you when things are moving around you quickly and you only have a limited field of view you're not seeing everything that everybody else is seeing because i know when i watch my replays and i slowly watch some of my replays time to time when i take a challenge on a ball i'm looking from the opponent's perspective and i think man that was so easy to read why did I hit the ball like that? Why didn't I do X, Y, and Z instead? But in the moment, you're thinking, oh man, this hit's going to totally fool the opponent because you're not seeing the game from their perspective. And you have to take yourself out of your own game to be able to look and see where you can improve. Then when you're like, man, I should hit the ball X instead of hitting it in this direction, that is a tangible skill or a tangible lesson that you can go apply in a training. You can go make your own training packs. You can go download training packs. For instance, let's say I want to practice instead of shooting on the net on an, on a defended target, I want to go practice hitting a double tap, right? So it's going to cognitively take effort. You have to actually think about going into the game and practicing these things look for look for opportunities to do these things instead of shooting and if that means like like going to casual match go into a casual match like nobody's gonna nobody's gonna like look down on you for not playing ranked all the time i think playing ranked all the time is actually one of the worst ways to improve because you're playing to win you're not playing to improve and so i think this idea of a ranked pool really ironically deters people from actually learning and figuring out how to win. And so that's one of the the most important things I can I can try to convey to the listeners. Don't play ranked. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I mean, I think the difference between a, a gold and an SSL is 
huge, obviously. But I'm not I'm not yeah. here to say that golds are not improving, but I'm also here to say that SSLs have already done the improving process. They're not just trying to win. They're also actively improving. Yeah. Well, and I I think it's interesting because I have and I I I won't say any specific rank because I don't want to ruffle any feathers as much as possible. Um and I've had I mean you could say this for any rank. People if you go into somebody's stream, they're always asking, I'm stuck in blah. How do I get out of blah? And at the end of the day, I was thinking about this earlier because I've been going back and forth on like do I want to be making other kinds of content? What kind of content would I be making? What are my goals? What do I want to be doing? And I think about like, okay, I, I want to help people rank up more. I, I just want to, in general, help people improve. And at the end of the day, the way to rank up or the way to get better at something is to find what you're bad at and then do things to get better at it. So if you are at X rank, it, I mean, it, it could be any rank. It could be, you know, you're in GC3. How do I get out of GC3? Well, you find the things that you're bad at and then try and not be bad at them anymore. I'm in gold. How do I get out of gold? Well, find one thing that you're not good at and then practice that thing and then maybe find something else and practice that thing. You'll get better at those things and then you will get out of gold. Like it's, it's pretty straightforward. And I think at some point, and I've sunken into this hole many times clearly because I've been right around the same area for a good portion of my time in rocket league that you, it's not, it's not complacency, but you do fall into this hole of like, I'm not trying to improve anymore. Now I'm just trying to get better or rank up. And there's a big difference in between, like trying to rank up and just a focus on improvement, or at least there can be. Cause I mean, I'm sure there are some people that look at ranking up as improving. So they always keep that idea around improvement, even though they're saying rank up, but there are some people that will get upset about losing games when in the long run, Sometimes you have to lose some games to see what those holes are so that you can fill them up. Yeah, I really couldn't agree more. There's so many different instances where I will go into a game with a specific task in mind. Like I have an objective, like kind of a side quest, right? So if I, if I play three games of Rocket League, I want one mechanical improvement that I have gone into it i'm like i'm going to really try to do this and if i lose all three games and i pull it off at least once i think i won even if i rank down because right. that means i'm taking the necessary steps to add this to my gameplay rather than focusing on winning which i think is again and i'll say it many times you're trying to win instead of trying to improve and so going from gold to diamond or champ you know, Grand Champ 1 to Grand Champ 3 or whatever. And you're not really like changing anything that you're doing. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, I think ranked kind of caters to people that play it more. 
like the more you play ranked, I think you are actually guaranteed to go up just based on the odds. Mm. But maybe you're not improving as much as somebody going into casual matches and trying to freestyle here and there. And it's like, yeah, freestyle actually can improve your game and it can give you more control. But it's such a it's such a hard thing to want to teach people to where they're so focused on this little emblem on their nameplate that defines how good they are. And we've all seen it. We've all seen the, the Sunless videos. We've all seen the Verge videos. And they're like, can you guess what rank this player is? And then people in the comments are like, that's a that's a gold player right there. You know, that that player is not better than me. But then you see the you see the actual rank that they're at. And it's like, wow, that's a that's a champ player. I can't believe this. Right. You know? Exactly. And exactly. it's like maybe that champ player is not actually improving. They're just playing ranked. Mm -hmm. They're just going through the processes. You know, they're getting marginally better. I can't I can't deny that, you know, golds are not as good as three or four stages above them. But there are mechanics that maybe a gold player will actually have that that player won't because they're actively improving on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So here's a crazy idea. Speaking of ranked, especially if you're wanting to improve, because I, I feel, well, I'm not going to just blabber on about it. I think something that can be done is almost spending some time practicing not caring about ranked like because i don't feel that the the level of competition that you get in a casual game is the same as a ranked game the feel is just different and of course like if you know sometimes if you go down one goal somebody will just leave a casual game i mean that happens in ranked sometimes too but you hope that people want to try and fight back so almost spending a week or two learning to detach yourself from the result of a ranked game like not practicing any specific mechanic not focusing on a certain kind of rotation just playing the game and then saying at the end of that game that was okay and then going on to the next one if it was a win whatever if it was a loss whatever just being completely detached and maybe instead at the end of each game thinking to yourself this is what i did good this is what i did bad this is what's next like this is what i want to focus on the next one or this was my main goal for this game i feel like i could have done this a little bit better so i'm going to try this in the next game not even thinking about the score not even thinking about the end result being solely focused on this one thing that i wanted to do how did it go Let's try again. Not thinking about wins or losses at all or the result of that game, worried about what your rank is and just moving on. And really focusing on not focusing on your rank. It's hard for a player that wants to improve, that is very attached to this idea that your rank determines how good you are. And there's this 
cognitive dissociation between I'm good at this game versus how good the game thinks I am, and that's your rank. And I know because I have, I, I, I see the things that I do, and I compare it to other people in the same rank, and I know that I'm a little bit better than what this game tells me, but I don't need the rank. I don't need the ranked emblem to actually define that. I think a perfect example here is like Valorant, right? I play most of my matches in the normal queue, unrated, whatever. And so if I'm having a really good game, somebody will say, what rank? Question mark. And I go, I don't have a rank. I don't know. Because I don't let the ranking system define how good of a player I am. But there's this catch-22, and it's like, well, how do you know if you're improving if you're not gaining ranks? And to that I say, you don't need to have the game tell you you're improving because you can do that yourself. You don't need the game to say, oh, you went from silver to gold? Good job, A+. Here's a little gold sticker on your emblem. What I would do is, when I took this fight, I did so much better in this fight than I did two weeks ago. There's no tangible thing on your emblem that displays that. But it's something, because I've been doing and playing games for so long, that I I just do subconsciously. But making that initial jump from not caring about your rank to improving is very tough for a lot of people. And the, what I would say to try to do that to improve is almost exactly what you said. Go into an unrated game and just don't care about the results. Go in, try something new. If you lose 5-0, it doesn't matter. Then when you go into rank, you can keep that same mentality and play it just how you would play the un, unrated game. Play it how you would play the, the unranked game. Don't worry so much about oh, this is not what would, this is not what would cause me to win. I don't want to do that. Or that's too complicated. I don't want to make a mistake. Just go for it. You'll do it over time. It's not like the course of one ranked game is going to mega impact your life. Like you're not playing land finals or something. It's not like there's money riding on the line. I mean, maybe in a tournament, but regular ranked games, do what you want. That's what I would say. Yeah, and I think I'm so I understand what you're saying about the emblem not really mattering or not necessarily being a label of your skill in a game. And at the end of the day, like if you were better at said game, you would have a different rank. So I I don't I I I want there to be, or I hope that people can, you know, foster this ability to be undetached from their rank. And then also at the same time, not necessarily, how can I put this? Like, be, expect that they deserve a certain rank at the, like, at the same time. So, for instance, you know, I got a little bit better over the past couple months and my MMR has gone up 
by, you know, 50 to 75 points and I sit in a different area much more comfortably now. And I might have wanted that improvement to give me 150 to 200 points. And a part of me expected that a little bit or feel like I deserve that. And at the end of the day, that's just not the case because I got to 1300 when I used to be at 1200 or even a little bit lower. And that's all I could get to. And I couldn't break through that, but I would have been like to be 1350 or 1375. Um, and immediately this complacency or entitlement got to me of like, Oh, my teammates are making mistakes or I feel like I should be winning more games. But at the end of the day, my rank doesn't matter. And at the same time, the rank that you have is the only really guideline of what we have to show where we're at in something. Yeah. There's no, there's no like skills test to be okay. Well, maybe there's a different metric we can use, but you know, actually a lot of, you know, I say that, but actually kind of, if you're familiar with uh, six mans or like a, like a pug pickup game. Sure. You know, several of those discords or, you know, even like counter-strike has ESEA where they have an extra arbitrary ranking system outside of the game's MMR to determine how good you are. And a lot of people who were frustrated with the ranked experience go to things like that to either have more validation of how good they are or bad they are and or find more consistent, better players who are committed to improving. And so that could be another way you do it. Find one of those free servers where you're going and playing with better people and their mentality uh, it's kind of hit or miss. Some people in that area, they're like good enough to be, you know, good, but their mentality is bad and they end up being toxic to your learning experience because they're almost exactly like what you said. My teammates are bad. I'm the greatest. There's no way this game was my fault. And they, they legitimately believe that. They're, it's not like a meme. It's not sarcastic. There's just a block for them that says, I'm better than what the results are showing me. Therefore, everybody else who's playing is the problem. And that's just not the case. And especially in a game like Rocket League, I mean, even if it is a team game, you still have so much cadence over your own actions. And this is actually one of the reasons I love 1v1s and or fighting games. Because, hey, you think you're good? Go do it. Go prove it. Right. Go beat that person. It's just you and the ball and that other player. Show us how good you really are. And so the the comment section is going to say, oh, but 3v3 is not the same as 1v1. It's like, yeah, I get it. But that's not the principle here. The principle is about self-improvement and not trying to force the blame on other people when your results are not what they want you to be. Yeah, I think... I think... Uh... And something like this came up for me just yesterday or the day before. And I'll be extremely transparent. Like, I've been extremely frustrated with Rocket League lately. And, again, I think it's not 
Rocket League, it's my, I mean, cause the game it's an inanimate object, right? It can't, it can't put emotions onto me. I just kind of have my own reactions to Rocket League. Um, and I haven't necessarily been where I wanted to. I haven't known what kind of like direction I want the game to go in for me. And so I have been somewhat checked out for a little while. And I decided to kind of release my emotions to the game, sit down, play some games and just like assess where I was, what was going well, what wasn't going well, what was causing different things to happen. And as soon as honestly, as soon as I did that, and just was able to assess a game for myself, I was able to realize, uh, and my dog wants to put her two cents in, I guess. Um, I was able to realize like something that I was just not necessarily doing well or paying attention to, which was clearing the ball. I was doing a poor job of clearing the ball or when my team was doing a poor job of clearing the ball, it made things a lot more uncomfortable for the whole process, you know, and, and just realizing that trying to get possession and then keep possession or get the ball away from my opponents or out of our end when it's really being just thrown towards our goal over and over again was something that, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily make as much of an effort for. And then one game, I just changed how I played a little bit. And I wouldn't say that I played more conservatively, but when it, when I'm, had an opportunity to try and clear the ball and I couldn't get a gigantic clear to, you know, just a big hit downfield. I tried to take possession and play for a 50 50 or just try and get it to the corner and then see what was going to happen next, whether I needed to rotate back to the goal or if I could stay in the corner for one of my teammates to hit it to me so that I could extend their touch down the field. And making the making these little adjustments in how I played in my decision making and in how I look at the game overall helped me improve in an in an instant and it's because I sat back I thought about the game as a whole and not being frustrated or grumpy that I had lost five games in a row but more like okay let's assess what happened in this game how can I be a better player? How can I make better decisions? How can I use what I have at my disposal to do something better for my team? And it worked out for me. And now I can use that mindset. I can use that way that I think moving forward in my games so that I can continue to foster that and and take what I learned there and evolve it so that I can become a better player in, in other areas as well. And that, I mean, it's, it's almost like detaching yourself from things emotionally in terms of the results so that you can say, like really take into account what's happening so that you can make some kind of progress. That's a very hard thing for people to do. I think 
it's I I understand it's it <laughs> it's, you can see really, how how much you're struggling to kind of tangibilize this uh this concept. No, I think it's not it's not hard. It's not hard to do. It's just that there is an unwillingness to do it. Because so many people define themselves by the rank that they're at. And they don't want it to go down, like, especially like there, there are people in my discord that are just like, I know I'm only diamond or I just got to diamond for the first time and I'm really excited, but it's only diamond and it's not that big of a deal. Like it's a huge deal. Even if you're just getting to gold or platinum for the first time, that's awesome. That's great. Like you are improving at the game. You are getting better. You're learning, you're evolving. That's awesome. Like who cares that some people are SSL or, you know, we watch streams all the time of people that are doing all this crazy stuff. That's them. Like you're on your own journey. Be excited for what you're doing because then when you get to diamond for the first time, and even though you know, it's not that good, or you're telling yourself it's not that good, then the last thing that you want is to go back into platinum. So immediately once you, once somebody gets into this mindset of like, I, I am this and I can't be less than that because that means I'm getting worse. That immediately shuts you down to the ability to move forward. Like you cannot move forward when all you're thinking about is not moving backwards. Whoa. That's a very profound thing to say. And I couldn't agree more. I think that anxiety of losing your status is a huge block, not only mentally, but I mean, it can be physically demanding where you're just, you, you know, you get to the next rank and you're like, sweet, I'm diamond now. Can't wait to go into my rank games. But then you start feeling anxious and you're like, do I really want to go play ranked? Maybe I'll lose my diamond or something. Exactly. And it's like, oof, that's a really tough spot to be in because you're putting so much focus on your icon your emblem yeah that you're not that you're not wanting to be like okay now i'm in diamond i'm gonna start playing better players i can't wait to get into playing you think okay now i'm diamond i don't want to lose diamond so Which maybe in that i should case play is not good no I not mean, for the you, mindset of improving at least if you want to take a break sure and if your desire is to continually improve then forget about diamond because like that is not the end all be all it's just one step along along the path and you might have to take a step back to take five steps forward mm -hmm. and there's a, f a 10 point difference in between diamond one and platinum three so if you're right on the cusp you could be doing that dance for two or three days but if the improvement is continuous then eventually it just keeps going i think the big thing for me right there though is the idea of being so focused on not going backwards 100 percent keeps you from going forwards that's crazy sometimes i just say things and uh i impress even myself when you start diving into the id of your own ego you know 
you find things that maybe you knew but weren't able to put into words so to say yeah but but, but that but that too scared of moving backward to go forward that's almost the same point i'm trying to make as play to improve don't play to win 100% 100% i like the way yeah. you said it better though it sounds much more philosophical <laughs> that's that's what i love about uh you know really taking a deep dive in into something like rocket league um because it it does uh equate so much to everything in life um and even though i'm just talking about improving about a game like you take something like like that and and at the same time i've been thinking about the same thing with content creation like i'm so focused on winning that i'm too scared to put out a video because i wanted to be really really good instead of just putting out videos and getting better at making videos getting better at telling stories getting better at editing getting better at like writing out what a video looks like or being able to present myself or you know record clips or all of those things i'm not doing any of those things because i'm too scared of it just being good enough that people will watch it so nothing is getting produced at all it's the same exact thing just in a different realm of my life you also have so, to you also have to take that mentality when you look at other people trying to learn skills say for instance you know you're at your job and you're trying to learn a skill or something somebody's teaching it to you and obviously you're not going to be good at it at first well if you're the mentor or if you're ever in that situation you also have to understand that progress is not a linear climb up it's a very jagged slow dosey do that takes time and so when you play with people or when you teach people you have to have patience mm. both learning yourself and teaching others there's always this very tropey looking graph plot that's like you know, one of those motivational posters you would see in the office of a doctor's waiting room or something. And it says, success, people think looks like this. And it's just a one-to-one -one rise over run slope going up. Just a continuous upslope, right? Only. And the bottom panel is like, success actually looks like this. And so it's that same plot, but sprinkled and scattered throughout the line is just huge dips mm -hmm. down, lower than where you started. But eventually it gets to the same point, but it's not as easy as just going from A to B. You actually have to make so many detours in so many words of getting to the point by getting out of your comfort zone, being uncomfortable and learning then applying those skills to get to where you want to go mm -hmm. exactly one 100 it's in i i don't think it's i i don't think it's i i don't want to say that it's hard and it 
it comes with a willingness to let go of defining yourself by some arbitrary label at the end of the day, which I think that is the toughest part. Like don't create the value of who you are as a person by a rank that you have right now, because in a year, theoretically, or hopefully, you know, the goal is to be even better. So why hold on to something now when you know you don't want it later? And just keep keep practicing. Keep finding your mistakes and working on them. He said to himself secretly. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be producing content for other people, but it sounds like you're kind of going no. on this Shangri-La spiritual journey to this find is, yourself. This is not getting released. It's only going to be for me to listen <laughs> every night before I go to bed. Uh, what is, what is your, um, what is the favorite, your favorite Sova arrow mm. that you have come up with yourself? Come up with myself? Yeah. Mm, I mean, I mean, are there any secret ones? That, yeah, I, I definitely, no, I definitely been... have one. I definitely have one. There's one that if you're familiar with bind, there's some teleporters, one-way teleporters on the map, right? And so yeah. the doors the doors don't open unless you come from the inside or something comes from the inside. So there's a way, like if you're playing on the attacking side, to open the teleporter that's on the bathroom side Yeah, from the bathroom side. Because if you're familiar with the map again, the entrance of that teleporter is the exact furthest point away from where you can get into it. And there's a way to shoot something that I mentioned earlier, which is the dart. Could be a shot, could be a recon. And you can guide it all the way to the entrance of that teleporter and have it bounce out the other side and open the door. And so there are many times where you're pushing down showers and that player from B is going to take that teleporter. Maybe it's like a Phoenix or a Duelist or something that can... You know, it's a huge audio cue. You know somebody's in there. But if you know this arrow, you can open it up and just get in there and assassinate them. And they're not going to know what's hit them. Because to, in their eyes, they're completely safe. Because who's who's going to be able to do that? And that one, the idea is not my own. But the exact version that I use is probably the most used and optimal. And... <clears throat> I've even seen it in a couple of a couple of semi-pro matches before. And I say, it's like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's like pointing at the TV and he's like, look at look at that. That's me. Wait, hold on. I I'm I'm trying to understand this. So you open you can only open the doors from the inside of those. Correct. But what you're saying is you can shoot say it again. You can shoot a recon or a shock dart, yeah. which are tangible physical items. Right. <clears throat> and the doors react to things going in and out of them, but only from the inside. So things like grenades or things like arrows or things like uh, utility, they can pass through the teleporter yes. and open the doors. Right. So the 
objective is to, from one side of the map, shoot the arrow across the entire map into the teleporter where it will go to the teleporter and open the door of the teleporter that you're standing next to without having to go across the map. So you're literally shooting an arrow all the way across the map to the B site from A site to open the door so you can get inside the teleporter. Correct. And then when they rotate, you'll just be waiting in there without them really even knowing. Yeah, you can oh, do that. Oh, because they might think, wait, so do you want to be in the teleporter or you just want them to think that you've done that? If you have a hard read, you can do that. You can get into the teleporter preemptively and just kind of wait. I've done that a couple times. It's not really like a super successful strategy. But the other scenario is like if you know somebody's in the teleporter, like they've already physically gone into it, but oh, they're not they're not coming out of it. Then you shoot they, over there and correct. get the doors open and you can just surprise them. Correct. You can open <laughs> the door and take the fight instead of waiting for them. Because again, there's no way to open it from the outside. So if somebody's stuck in the inside, they're stuck. Like and the they assumption cannot is leave. they will just not expect that at all. Yeah. That's hilarious. And has that worked for you before? Oh, yeah. I have many clips. <laughs> yes. If you guys ever want really good Valorant Sova clips right now on Twitter, follow this guy. They're great. I I always appreciate seeing the kind of craziness you come up with. Like there was one really on early on when Valorant launched where you planted the spike and then you shot both of your shock darts straight into the ground. So they bounced up and then you just ran away. Somebody came to defuse your shock darts, just fall right on top of them and, and kill them. I also invented that as well, but I, I still feel like it's a very valid thing to do considering all this, the way the meta has evolved is, you know, you have all this utility that you use to stop the diffuser from getting onto the spike yeah, after you plant it. has become a huge part of the meta. Mm-hmm. And this, using both your arrows to do that and being able to hold an angle at the same time, because you yeah. can set them up 30 seconds prior and not have to like wait in a static position. So you can not only take a gunfight, but you can also even from the grave contribute <laughs> to the post plant. Yeah. Now the thing is like at a pro level, like it's kind of a meme because you would rather use those shock darts to clear out corners and help your team get into the site. Like that's right. the, that's the right thing to do. But you know, I've never really been too concerned about doing what's right. I've been more concerned about doing what's interesting. Yes. That's, that's hilarious. Nice. Well, I think that's a that's a good place to start wrapping things up. So besides um, being the cheesiest, not really the cheesiest Sova player of them all, but certainly one that uses those arrows to more advantage than I've seen most people play with. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners of uh, the Infinite Boost podcast? If you learn two things from this, it's that playing to improve, 
greater than playing to win if you're trying to continue your game and improvement cycle. The other thing is learn how to learn. And that's different for everybody, whether it's you need to do things over and over repeatedly to drill them into your brain, like myself, or you're more of a visual learner and you can take things and apply them from YouTube videos or guides online. Figure out what works for you and apply that not only to games, but everywhere in your life. Nice. And where can people find you on the internet? My handle is ubiquitous. It is at fickle underscore platypus on pretty much every single platform. And I post mostly on Twitter. I have a growing TikTok where I post a bunch of Valorant videos. And I do a bunch of shows regularly for Rocket League, including collegiate as well as semi-pro level, which is on different channels. But if you ever see my handle there, you'll recognize my face and hopefully my voice. And anybody that wants to find me can either DM me or whatever platform and I'll try to read it. But you can find me at those socials wherever. Nice. Very good. And then last but not least, a, a question for the audience. I would say if hmm, I wasn't prepared to ask a question to the listeners. Nobody ever is. Hmm. I guess my question is, is, since this is kind of like a self-reflecting type of episode, if you had to list the thing or the skill that you're worst at, at Rocket League or Valorant, what would it be? And do you even know? Are you able to take that reflection? Like right now, can you say, there's one thing I stink at, and it's this. What is that? Hmm. That's a good question. I like it. Good one. I will look forward to hearing some answers about that. Cool. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking some time to come on with me and, and chat about things. Uh, it's been a fun one and I appreciate the mentality and, and the outlook on, on these different things. So thank you so much for spending some time and chatting with me here on the infinite boost podcast. Pleasure to be on. Definitely. And, uh, as always be sure to follow him. Uh, if you're still listening, thank you. Come join the Discord. I say it over and over again, and I mean it. Come hang out with us. It's always a blast. And um, as always, Fickle, thank you so much for the boost. No problem, man. Have a good one.